Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The Peter Schiff Show. Today's podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers. Just go to expressvpn.com gold and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year subscription package. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Ladder. Ladder makes it fast and easy to get affordable term life insurance without leaving your home. Just go to ladderlife.com gold today to see if you're instantly approved. A lot of people started making fun of my Tuesday podcast, which I happen to title Gold to the Moon, Bitcoin Stuck on Earth. And of course, no sooner than I finished the recording, the very next day on Wednesday, the price of gold, which had closed at 2050 something, which was the highest I've ever seen gold close, crashed as much as $75 an ounce the very next day. It didn't close down 75, but pretty close, maybe down around 60, right back below 2000. In fact, even though we had a rally in the price of gold today, about five bucks or so, we're still below 2000, about 1998. Although intraday, gold had a bigger rally. It was above 2010 for a portion of the day. But not only did gold sell off sharply, the day after that podcast. Oh, and by the way, during that podcast, I did mention that gold could drop by 50 or $100 in a day. I just didn't expect it to be the very next day. But also, not only did gold fall sharply, 
But Bitcoin had this huge rally because when I recorded the Tuesday night podcast, Bitcoin was about 38,600. And the very next day, it rallied up to 42,500. Now, it surrendered most of those gains as I'm recording today's podcast on Thursday, late afternoon, early evening here in Puerto Rico, Bitcoin is back down around 39,400. So the vast majority of the Wednesday gains have already been lost. But of course, that didn't stop a lot of people from making fun of my podcast title. They thought, hey, he's already wrong. Bitcoin is already headed to the moon and gold is crashing. Well, first of all, the reason that gold came down so sharply on Thursday was because we had a massive reversal. I think there was all of a sudden a lot of optimism that maybe we were going to have a sooner end to the Russia-Ukraine conflict, that maybe everything was going to go away, that there was going to be an agreement, maybe the Ukraine was going to agree that it's never going to join NATO. Russia was going to get those two separatist territories. Everybody was going to basically pick up their marbles and go home. And you had this huge relief rally. The European stock markets were up sharply, particularly Germany. And there were a lot of the stocks that I owned in my portfolio that were up 5 to 10% on the day. And these are huge moves in normally pretty quiet type stocks. A lot of the value dividend oriented stocks that did get hammered in the preceding week. And I pointed out on the podcast that they were giving these stocks away, that this was a great environment in which to be buying these European stocks. Well, many of them had sharp rallies on Wednesday, and that's in dollars because the euro bounced back about 2%. So if I had a stock in Germany that was up 10% in euros, it was up 12% in dollars. Now, these stocks were still down from where they were a week earlier. So even though they rallied, they were still cheap. But the bottom line was there was this huge reversal day where a lot of people rushed in to buy stuff that had gone down, and they also rushed to sell stuff that had gone up. Oil, for example, crashed by about $13 or $14 a barrel. So while everybody was selling black gold, they also sold yellow gold, right? Gold had been strong. And so in that big reversal day, you had a big drop in Bitcoin. In fact, all of my stocks that had been doing well during the Russia-Ukraine situation, they all pulled back. Yet every stock I owned that was getting clobbered during this time period had a huge rally. So it was a big reversal day. Gold got caught up in it and it's no big deal because all gold really did was return back to slightly below $2,000 an ounce, which still represents a solid gain on the year and does nothing to alter the uptrend in gold, nor does it signify that the 2075-ish type high that we put in earlier in the week is it, that we're not going to make a new high. We are going to make a new high. This is a bull market. Gold is going to the moon. And Bitcoin, despite that attempt at liftoff yesterday, isn't going anywhere. It's going back down. It's crashing down to earth. There were two reasons that Bitcoin rallied 
on Wednesday. One was because everything that had gone down was going up. And so Bitcoin was one of the things that had gone down that went up. I mean, the Kathy Wood Arc Innovation Fund had an up day. And so Bitcoin had an up day because we know that those two are highly correlated with one another. And we also know that Bitcoin is negatively correlated with gold. So if gold is going to go way down, you might assume that Bitcoin would happen to go way up on a day that gold was way down. But one of the big factors that was prompting the run-up in Bitcoin was the fact that President Biden finally came out with his executive order on cryptocurrencies. And everybody knew this executive order was coming. And I think when it finally arrived, there was a bit of a relief in that there was nothing specific in the order that was directly harmful to Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. And so the fact that the executive order wasn't worse, that it didn't contain language that was threatening to Bitcoin, you had a bit of a relief rally. And of course, CNBC spent the entire day pumping up Bitcoin, talking about this huge rally in Bitcoin and why it was going up. And accepting the narrative that was being spoon-fed them by their Bitcoin pumpers and their sponsors that this executive order somehow represented a positive milestone in the life of Bitcoin. That now this legitimizes Bitcoin, this executive order proves that Bitcoin is here to stay. The executive order doesn't prove anything, it isn't a milestone, and it isn't a good thing. Because obviously this executive order is just the opening bid. It is going to be followed up by all sorts of regulations that are going to be made and implemented pursuant to this executive order. And all of these regulations are going to be bad for the crypto industry. They're going to be bad for Bitcoin because what they're going to do is drive up the costs of operating these networks because there's going to be a lot more compliance that is going to be required and all of that is going to cost money. So as inefficient and expensive as it is right now to operate Bitcoin and other networks, it's going to be even more inefficient and more expensive when extra compliance is going to be thrown into the mix and is going to be another cost that the industry is going to have to absorb. So not only will this increase the cost of transacting in Bitcoin, but it will reduce the appeal of attracting in Bitcoin because the whole appeal of Bitcoin had to do with the fact that there wasn't a lot of regulations, that you didn't have to go through all the same type of red tape that you may have to go through to affect a wire, for example, from a traditional bank. Well, as a result of this executive order and the regulations that are going to be enacted pursuant to it, that's not going to be the case. In fact, if you go back and listen to the Elizabeth Warren statements that were made during the Powell congressional testimony, she has a deep-seated hatred for Bitcoin. Now, she doesn't dislike it for the same reasons I do, but she doesn't like it and she wants massive regulation. She thinks that Bitcoin is being used to circumvent sanctions and to get around other government rules and regulations that she's a big fan of. And so she sees Bitcoin as some kind of free market threat uh, to all of the government rules and regulations that she wants to impose on companies and individuals. And so just 
from a philosophical perspective, she doesn't like Bitcoin. And I'm sure that that sentiment is shared by a lot of Democrats. I mean, there are some Republicans that have latched on to Bitcoin because of the pro-free market, pro-hard money type of rhetoric that accompanies Bitcoin. But I think one of the main reasons that you do have some of these Republicans supporting it is because they want the donations. They want the votes of the people who are in Bitcoin. And so they're catering to that voting block by telling them what they want to hear. But obviously, the Democrats don't give a damn about that issue. They're more threatened by something that's supposedly going to interfere with government power, detract from the government's ability to manipulate the economy by printing money and setting interest rates. Now, I don't believe Bitcoin is going to succeed, but the Democrats don't know that. They probably perceive Bitcoin as a greater threat than it actually is. And so they want to put out that fire, even though the fire is going to burn out on its own, even if the government does nothing. But the bottom line is what was sold yesterday by everybody that came on to CNBC, including all of the anchors that worked there, as positive news was negative news. And that's pretty much par for the Bitcoin course, because that's all they do is they make lemonade out of lemons because you get one lemon after another when it comes to Bitcoin because as I said it has failed to deliver on every single promise that the backers have made not a store of value not an inflation hedge not a safe haven not digital gold not non-correlated it's nothing and what's happening right now is simply proving that you may be thinking why does anybody even need a VPN Well, whenever you go online without one, internet service providers can see every single website that you visit. They can legally sell the information without your consent to ad companies and giant tech companies who then use your data to target you for ads. But if you sign up with ExpressVPN, you can browse anonymously. And that's because when you're using ExpressVPN, the ISPs can't see your online activity. Your identity is anonymized by a secure VPN server. Your data is always encrypted for maximum protection. And best of all, it's easy to use. Just fire up the app and click one button. It works on all devices, phones, laptops, even routers. So anyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. It's time to put a layer of protection between your online activity and your ISP. And that's why I use ExpressVPN. So go to expressvpn.com gold to get an extra three months free. In fact, personally, I'm more concerned about governments knowing what I'm doing than private companies. That's who I don't want peeking around at my online activity. And also, living out here in Puerto Rico, there's a lot of content that I can't get access to from Puerto Rico. But when I use my ExpressVPN, I'm now able to access that content because I fool the providers into thinking I'm not in Puerto Rico. Now's the time to secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash gold today. That's expressvpn, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash gold, and you can get an extra three months free on your one-year subscription. Moving along, though, to what is happening right now, we got the government's official estimate of inflation for the month of February. And the consensus was for an increase of 0.7%. 
and that would have followed the 0.6% rise that we got in the month of January. Well, we ended up with an increase of 0.8. So a bad number, slightly worse than what had been anticipated. Now, of course, it could have been even worse. And I think it will get worse when we get the March number, because I don't think the February number has any of the huge increases that we've seen in commodity prices that have happened so far in March. So the March number is going to blow the February number away, even though the February number was already bad. Now, the gain year over year, which was seven and a half percent in January, ended up at 7.9 percent for February. Now that actually hit the expectation right on the head, 7.9. But that is the highest official rate of inflation since January of 1982, year over year. And you're going to hear a lot about that on the news today. In fact, I even got contacted earlier today by ABC affiliate in New York, ABC TV, and I spoke about these numbers on ABC, but a lot of people are talking about this is the biggest increase since 1982. But again, they are missing the key point that this is an apples to oranges comparison. Because when you look at 1982 to find a year over year increase as high as 7.9, you are looking at a completely different CPI. The CPI we have right now, this is not your daddy's CPI. This is not the one that they used when I was a sophomore in college, which is what I was in 1982. It was a totally different CPI. If we were using that CPI today, the inflation that was just reported today would easily be north of 15%, which means it's not just the highest since 1982, it's the highest in our lifetimes. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In fact, the only time that we had a CPI, I think, higher than what it really is today was in 1917. And of course, the CPI actually didn't even exist in 1917. 
They first introduced it a few years later, but then they ran the numbers backwards. And so they went backwards to calculate what the CPI would have gone up had they had it. And so they were able to back test it and get a big jump in 1917. But that's because that's when the U.S. got into World War I and the Federal Reserve had just started in 1913. And all of a sudden they printed a bunch of money to help pay for the First World War. So that's really the only year that the CPI was higher than it is today. But pretty much nobody was alive back in 1917 who's alive today. I mean, maybe there's a few people that are 105. I mean, I know they exist, but none of them are working on Wall Street. That's for sure. And nobody has a memory of inflation this bad. The highest inflation got during the 1970s was actually 1980. That was 13.5%. And we are higher than that now if we use the 1980 CPI to measure inflation. Conversely, we could go back and recalculate the inflation in the 70s and the 80s and use today's CPI, and then all those numbers will go down to put today's inflation number into its proper perspective, meaning it is the worst ever. Now, the other important point is, what's going to happen from here? Is inflation going to go down or is it going to go up? Well, in 1980, when inflation was 13.5%, it went down because Paul Volcker had interest rates at 20%. So we had 6.5% real rates to help fight inflation. Where are we now? Well, interest rates are at zero. And the only thing Powell is talking about doing is nudging them up to 25 basis points later this month. And then maybe we'll get five or six more itsy bitsy rate hikes between now and the end of the year. So maybe at the end of the year, the rate will be 1% or maybe 1.5%. That means nothing. You're not going to slow down this inflation juggernaut with those type of rate hikes. All you're going to do is fuel the fire. So while in 1980, inflation was at 13.5% and falling, that was the high watermark. Here in 2022, where we're really at 15%, we're just getting started. We're going to be printing much, much higher numbers because the Fed hasn't even begun to fight inflation. The Fed is still dumping fuel on this inflation fire. Even if it's dumping less fuel than it might have been dumping on it in the past, it's still fueling the fire. In fact, we got the numbers today for the Fed's balance sheet and it went up. I mean, it didn't go up by a lot, a $6.3 billion increase on the week. The Fed's balance sheet is now at $8.911 trillion, but you're not fighting inflation by expanding your balance sheet. You have to really start to contract the balance sheet to fight inflation, and we're not doing it. So the inflation that we have now that everybody is complaining about is going to get worse. And the media, of course, is going to try to blame these numbers on Russia and the Ukraine when Russia and Ukraine haven't even factored into these numbers yet. Now, they may factor into the March numbers, but again, as I explained on prior podcasts, just because some prices go up, it doesn't mean all prices go up because other prices will come down. 
The only reason all prices go up is because the government is creating inflation. The government is expanding the money supply. That is the inflation. It continues to do that. And that is why prices are going up. Rising oil prices are not causing inflation. Rising cotton prices are not causing inflation or rising wheat prices or rising any price are not causing inflation. The government is causing inflation by inflating the money supply. Now, yes, supply shortages are making certain prices go up, but absent the inflation government creates, other prices would go down. But also demand would be falling. The government is preventing a healthy decline in demand by continuing to print money. Now, getting back to that CPI, I forgot to mention what happened with the core, X Food and Energy, there the gain was 0.5. So that was slightly less than the 0.6 rise we got in January. But that number is gonna spike in March big time. X Food and Energy year over year, the gain was 6.4%. That is a big rise in core CPI. You're talking about more than triple the 2% that is supposedly the Fed's target. Core CPI year over year as of January was up just 6%. And now it's up 6.4. And again, March, it's going to be even worse. So in the month of March, where the Fed is finally going to get around to hiking interest rates by the smallest amount possible, 25 basis points, inflation is going to be at the highest it's been at any point in this cycle. So how is it that we can begin this fight so late with inflation already so high and think that we're going to succeed? In fact, given how much higher inflation has risen during the months and months and months, the Fed was preparing us for this so-called inflation fight because it's been saying, hey, we're not going to start hiking rates until we stop doing our QE program. And so apparently maybe now it's come to an end given the fact that inflation is now so much worse because the Fed still thought inflation was going to come down. Even after they told us that we have to retire the word transitory and they admitted that they were wrong about inflation, they still maintained that it was going to go away that it was still going to be transitory. They just weren't going to use the word anymore. And it's just that the transition was taking longer than they thought, that they were still right in that it would go away, that the higher rates of inflation would come back down to below 2%, but it's just taking longer. And the Fed expected that by the time they got around to their first rate hike in March, well, that the inflation rate would be much lower than it is. Because not only isn't it lower, it's worse. Inflation is higher now, measured by the CPI, than it was when they first conceded that it wasn't transitory, yet they have done nothing to alter the trajectory of their rate hikes. Given what has happened, they should be raising interest rates by a lot more than 25 basis points, but they're not going to do it. And then the question is, when they do do the 25 basis point rate hike, what language is going to accompany it? I mean, is it going to be a dovish hike, even though any hike is dovish, considering how small it is? But the Fed may try to take the sting out of the hike by immediately backtracking away from the next one to reduce the expectations of how many more hikes we're going to get during the balance of the year or how quickly they're going to come because the Fed is still very worried about the economy, which is teetering on the edge of recession 
if it's not already in one. A lot of people who buy life insurance make the mistake of buying whole life. And the reason they make it is because some insurance salesman sells it to you. But for most people who really want insurance, you want term because that's where you get the most bang for your buck. That's where you can buy the biggest death benefit for the smallest amount of premium to really take care of the people who depend on you if you're not there. And then you can take the money you save by not overpaying for term life insurance and invest it. And that way you'll get a much better return on your investment. You buy insurance to cover you in the unlikely event that you die prematurely, but you make investments for the far more likely event that you don't. Because with insurance, you want the maximum payoff if you die, but for your investments, you want the greatest return in case you live. And that's where ladder comes in. Ladder can get you a great deal on term life insurance. It's 100% digital when you apply for up to 3 million in coverage or less. There are no doctors, no needles, and no paperwork. To apply, you just need a phone or a laptop and a few extra minutes. Ladder smart algorithms work in real time, so you'll find out instantly if you've been approved. And if you prefer to talk to an actual human, their team of licensed agents are standing by to help. And they don't work on commission, so they're not there to upsell you. They're just there to help. There are no hidden fees, and you can cancel any time. If you change your mind in the first 30 days, you can get a full refund. Ladder policies are issued by insurers with long proven histories of paying claims. Since life insurance costs more as you get older, now's the best time to cross it off your list. So go to ladderlife.com slash gold today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash gold to see if you're instantly approved. Once again, though, the initial reaction to the inflation number, which was slightly worse than expected, was for a decline in the price of gold. Again, that is the reflexive Pavlovian reaction. Oh, higher than expected inflation. We sell gold because that means the Fed's going to be more aggressive in their rate hikes. It doesn't mean that because it never means that. The Fed's not going to be more aggressive because it can't. If the Fed could be more aggressive, it already would have been more aggressive. So at some point, the guys that write these algorithms are going to have to redo them to remove these type of trading programs because it doesn't matter. But the reaction that did make sense was the sell-off in the bond market. Yields on U.S. Treasuries rose again. They've been backing up the last couple of days. And in fact, the yields are now higher than they were prior to the Russia invasion of the Ukraine. The yield on the 10-year is back above 2%. We closed today at 2 spot 011. And the 30-year yield is backing up even more. So we're getting a widening of the yield curve from the 10 to the 30s. That's all inflation. The yield on the 30-year is now 2 spot 394 and moving much, much higher. And so what that means right off the bat is that if you bought U.S. Treasury bonds after Russia invaded the Ukraine and you bought treasury bonds as a safe haven, you're losing. You're down on your safe haven. There was no safety. Bonds went down. And the reason bonds are going down is because inflation is trumping the geopolitical risk. And if anything, the geopolitical risk is helping to push inflation higher. And again, it's not because what's happening is causing the inflation. Oil prices going up, wheat prices going up. That's not what's causing the inflation. 
what's going to cause the inflation is how the government reacts to those rising prices, how the government reacts to a weak economy or a recession that may be brought about by those higher prices. That's what causes inflation. The same thing as COVID. COVID-19 is not why we had big increases in prices. It was what the government did in response to COVID-19. The government ordered people not to go to work. The government ordered businesses to shut down. And then the government decided to print a bunch of money and send it out to people in the form of stimulus checks or enhanced unemployment benefits. That was all government created. Had the government not done any of that, COVID wouldn't have resulted in inflation because COVID in and of itself wouldn't have done anything. If people decided on their own to work less, well, supply would have gone down, but they would have spent less. Demand would have gone down too. So prices might have remained relatively stable. It was only the government's decision to force demand down and supply up simultaneously that resulted in this. And the same thing is going to happen because of these price shocks that are the result of not only Russia invading Ukraine, the bigger problem are the sanctions. And again, I'm not arguing whether or not we should or should not sanction Russia. The reality is there are sanctions and the sanctions are doing more to drive up prices than the invasion itself. But regardless of why those prices are going up, they're going up and they're going to hurt the economy because it's like a tax increase. People have to spend a lot more money for food and energy, and so they have less money to spend on other things, but that's when the government steps up with more inflationary policies. They try to stimulate the economy to offset the sedative effects on the economy of these higher prices. And in fact, we got the Treasury statement today for the budget for the month of February, and the expected deficit for February was $124 billion. The actual deficit for February was $216 billion. So not quite double what had been expected, but that's a lot of red ink. That's a big deficit that is going to have to be funded and it's going to be funded through inflation. Now, the prior month in January, the deficit was only $118.7 billion. So it's also a big increase. Now, year over year, it does represent a decline because in February of 2021, when the government was sending out bigger stimulus checks, the February deficit was $310.9 billion. So that one was incredible. This one is still a huge number. It only is less huge when you compare it to the gigantic number from February of last year. But this is still a lot of red ink. And you know what? It's going to get bigger. They just passed some new $1.5 trillion spending plan yesterday. It included some relief money for the Ukraine. But all these spending bills are coming and they're going to get bigger and bigger at a time where we can't afford them. Also, on another note, I'm getting tired of listening to President Biden basically scolding the oil and gas industry because they're not increasing output. They're not producing enough oil and gas. Meanwhile, he just, in his State of the Union address, warned oil companies not to profiteer, not to take advantage of what's going on by raising prices. Well, if they're not going to take advantage of what's going on, how do you expect them to pump more oil? Right? If they can't make extra money when times are good, 
How do you ask them to make investments that they can be responsible for when times are bad? But what really should make everybody cringe, what if the Green New Deal had actually passed? Remember what these guys actually wanted to do? Had Ocasio-Cortez gotten her way? And had we actually signed on to that ridiculous Green New Deal? Can you imagine how much worse the situation would be right now? In fact, the ultimate irony of the president demanding more oil production, begging the Saudis to produce more oil, or maybe other countries like Iran or Venezuela. I thought the president wanted us to use less oil. I thought we were harming the environment. We were destroying the planet. Isn't this a good thing? Because the way to get people to use less energy is to let the price go up. Why isn't this a blessing in disguise? Clearly, it's not. And as bad as this is, the Green New Deal would actually be worse. If you think oil prices are high now, forget about where they're going to go based on inflation. But just what's happening right now based on Russia, Ukraine, and these sanctions, this is nothing compared to what would happen to the economy if it got sanctioned by the Green New Deal. We would be paying much, much higher prices than this. So this is kind of like a dress rehearsal, a dry run of the Green New Deal. So if you like what's happening now, well, maybe you'll like the Green New Deal even better. But if you don't like this, then forget about this Green New Deal because this is a small taste of what's to come if we ever pass something as ludicrous as that. But turning my attention back to gold, because unlike U.S. Treasuries that have not acted as a safe haven during this particular time period because prices have gone down, bond yields have risen, albeit not a lot, but they have risen and they're about to rise by quite a bit more. So I think anybody who took refuge in Treasuries is about to pay a price for that because they thought they were buying a safe asset but they actually bought something that's very risky because the riskiest thing when you own bonds other than default, and of course, when people buy U.S. treasuries, they assume that the default risk is zero. The only real risk is inflation. Well, inflation is here. It's going to get much worse. And therefore, bonds are not safe. When you're in an inflationary environment, You don't have any safety in bonds. Now, maybe if the yields were high enough, if you bought a bond with a high enough coupon, well, maybe that coupon could offset what you lose to inflation. But look how low the coupons are. You buy a 10-year treasury with a 2% yield, that isn't even close to getting you even on the rate of inflation. So there is a lot of risk in treasuries. So you can't be a safe haven and risky at the same time. But compare that to gold. Gold has done extremely well during this time period. Could gold have gone up more? Sure, and it will go up more. But the bottom line is gold is going up. If you bought gold as soon as the invasion started, you're ahead of the game. If you bought gold leading up to the invasion because you anticipated it, you're ahead of the game. Gold is doing what it's supposed to do. It's going up. Now, maybe some people are disappointed that it hasn't gone up more. It will, but at least it's going up. Silver, the same thing. Gold stocks, the same thing. They're going up. Interestingly enough, when gold got hammered on Wednesday morning after that big rise on Tuesday, it basically negated the entire gain and really had gone nowhere over a two-day period. 
But gold stocks, which barely rose on Tuesday, and I pointed that out on my podcast, even though you had this $50 increase in the price of gold, the gold stocks were barely up. I mean, some did okay, but overall the GDX was up about a half a percent. Then on Thursday morning, when gold basically surrendered the gains from the prior day, the GDX opened down about 5%. So even though gold went nowhere, gold stocks got hammered. That's how quickly they got sold off in that overreaction. Now, the interesting thing was, though, the open was about the low and big buyers came in. And even though gold itself went on to make a lower low during that trading day, gold stocks did not. Gold stocks rallied throughout the day and closed near the highs of the day and then rallied again today so that now they've recovered everything that they lost during that decline. And in general, gold stocks are now above where they were on Tuesday's close. So the people who bought them are ahead, even if it was a rocky road. But the fact that So many traders were so quick to unload them when they saw this $60 drop in the price of gold just confirms this wall of worry that gold is climbing and gold stocks to me still represent a significant value in the market because these gold stocks are not reflecting reality when it comes to the future gold price, let alone the current gold price. I think gold stocks today are priced for a drop in the price of gold. So nobody believes that $2,000 gold is here to stay. Everybody expects it to go away. Now they think, well, it's going to go away when the Russia crisis is resolved, or it's going to go away when the Fed hikes rates and vanquishes inflation. None of that's going to happen. Inflation's here to stay. The gold bull market is here to stay. Not only aren't gold prices going down, they're going way up. That means these gold mining companies are going to earn so much more money than investors think because they think when they're mining their gold in the future, the gold's going to be less than $2,000 an ounce and they're basing their profit forecasts on a sub $2,000 gold price. In fact, way below 2000 is where most analysts are. Instead, they're going to be mining gold for $2,500 an ounce, $3,000 an ounce, $5,000 an ounce. So these gold mining companies are going to be surprising with these huge earnings beats and big dividend increases over the course of the next several years, which is why you need to buy these stocks right now. Now, again, gold stocks are different than buying the metal itself. Gold stocks are a lot more speculative. Businesses, look, one of the gold stocks in our portfolio of managed accounts and in our gold fund was a Russian gold stock, which was killing it up until the invasion. And now it's down, you know, like 99%. I mean, maybe it's going to go to zero. Maybe it's going to snap back. Now, fortunately, it was one-tenth of 1% of our portfolio. So it's no big deal. But that shows you that there are risks involved in owning a gold company. There are political risks. Things can go wrong. With any business, something can go wrong. Whenever you own stock in a business, you assume a certain degree of risk. Gold mining, as a business is concerned, is fraught with risks. I mean, it's not for the faint of heart. That's one of the reasons that we diversify and we hope we can get rid of some of the risk that is specific to a particular mine, a particular company, a particular government jurisdiction. 
but you can't get rid of all the risks. So you shouldn't buy gold stocks, number one, unless you're willing to lose money. But whenever you're speculating, you're always trying to put the risk of loss in perspective to the potential for gain, right? And gains are not guaranteed. It's just a probability. And the way I handicap the odds, I think the upside potential in these gold stocks is enormous. Not just that they're going to double or triple, but that they could 10x, they could 20x. Some of these small ones could go up 50 or 100 fold in the environment that I'm envisioning. Now, worst case scenario, stock goes zero. You just lose 100%. So if you put $10,000 into a stock and it goes to zero, you lose $10,000. But if it goes up 50x, 100x, right, you could turn $10,000 into a million. Now, some people already did that when they bought Bitcoin, right? If they got in at the very beginning, of course, no one's going to do that now. You're not going to turn $10,000 into a million in Bitcoin now. You'll turn a million into $10,000. In fact, you may turn a million into zero when the currency ultimately zeroes out, which is where it's going to go. In fact, that's another reason that Bitcoin didn't rally after that initial pump on Wednesday because it spiked up in the morning. And the entire day that CNBC was pumping it, it just went sideways because people were selling. And that's the reason that Bitcoin can't go up is because whenever there's buying, the sellers come out because the real money is trying to get rid of Bitcoin, but they need a rally to do it. They need some kind of positive news item. And even if the news item isn't really positive, they'll pretend it's positive because they got to generate some excitement so they can sell. But when the excitement wears off and the market drops, the sellers go away because there's no buyers. And so they don't want to crash the market. So the sellers are being patient and they're waiting for buying to come in to unload more Bitcoin. But at some point, the sellers are going to be nervous. They're going to run out of patience. They're just going to want to sell at any price, even if there isn't some new demand to sell into. And that's when the bottom is going to drop out and Bitcoin is going to crash. And I think that's going to happen when Bitcoin breaks 30000 So we're still close to $10,000 away from that watershed event, but it is going to happen. But the big money, those Bitcoin-type returns, I think can be made, but I think they could be made in mining stocks, particularly in these junior mining stocks. So if you're willing to risk money and you're willing to risk losing money, the upside potential to me far outweighs the downside risk and makes it an extremely good speculation, which is why so much of my personal portfolio is in gold mining stocks and silver mining stocks, because I think it is really a once in a lifetime risk reward in that sector. And so I want to have a big bet because if I end up betting right, I want to win big. And the only way to win big is to bet big. And if you want to do that, buy these stocks. I think the best way to do it for people who don't know how to research mining stocks is to buy my gold fund, the Euro Pacific Gold Fund. I hired Adrian Day to manage that gold fund for me because even I don't know as much about gold stock picking as Adrian. He's been doing this for 40 years. There's probably nobody around in the country that knows this industry 
better than Adrian because he's been at it so long. He's been through this massive bear market. Most of the analysts probably went and found other lines of work. Or if they were analysts, they're analyzing tech stocks or healthcare or biotech or internet or something like that. The best and brightest didn't stick around in metals and mining, except Adrian stuck around because he knows what he's doing. And that's why I hired him. So you can buy the Europe Pacific Gold Fund on any platform. It's on all the discount brokerage platforms. You can get it through your Europe Pacific Capital representative. And if you have a larger portfolio and you want Adrian to manage it for you, we do have separately managed accounts that are 100% invested in the mining sector. Now, those are the most speculative of our managed accounts. We have incorporated some of the senior gold mining stocks into our other strategies, value and dividend payer, just because those stocks are so cheap. But the portfolios that Adrian manages that are focused on the mining sector includes a lot of these small producers that have this incredible potential. But the key there is to try to minimize your losers because a lot of these small stocks could go to zero. So the key is to try to avoid the ones that are going to zero, have as few of those as possible and have as many as the ones that might go up 50 to 100x. And I think Adrian has a better chance of getting that right than just about anybody else. So rather than doing it yourself, buy my fund and hire Adrian to do it for you. And again, there is a prospectus. You can download it. You can get all the information on all of my funds on my website at Europac Funds, epacfunds.com. I got five funds up there, but you can download the prospectus on any of my funds, including the gold fund. That way you can understand all the risks and decide for yourself whether an investment as risky as gold mining stocks is suitable for you given all of your risk tolerances and other investment objectives or discuss this with some of the brokers. Now, it's very different when you're just buying physical gold. And I mentioned that on the last podcast. I don't look at buying gold as an investment. I look at buying gold as savings instead of buying dollars or holding dollars or holding euros, I'm holding real money. I'm holding gold. Now, there is some volatility in gold, but there's volatility in every currency. If you decide to hold Swiss francs instead of U.S. dollars, every day those Swiss francs are going to change in price. There's an exchange rate between the dollar and the Swiss franc. Well, there's an exchange rate between the dollar and gold. There's an exchange rate between every currency in gold. I think gold is the only real money, and therefore I would rather own it relative to its fiat alternatives that are inferior. So I don't see the same type of risk profile that I see in mining stocks that I see in gold. You just want to make sure you don't overpay for your gold and you buy from a reputable dealer like Shift Gold. In fact, I want to talk about a experience that was related to me yesterday by a Shift Gold customer who initially tried to buy gold from one of our competitors. And I'm not going to mention the competitor by name, but there are a lot of companies that are guilty of this same practice and it's called bait and switch. And so what happened was this particular prospect was shopping around and trying to find a dealer that would give him the best price. And he was getting prices on US Gold Eagles and got a price from Shift Gold and then got a lower price from a competitive company. Now, these individual wanted Shift Gold to match the price, 
but that price was so low that we couldn't match it. And so he decided to buy from our competitor, but the competitor required this particular customer to wire all the money in first. They wouldn't even lock in the price. They said, if you want to buy these coins, you need to send us all the money. And then once we get the money in our bank account, well, then you can buy the coins. See, at Shift Gold, we'll let you lock in the price in advance and send the money later, right? We trust you to make good on your commitment to buy gold, and we give you an honest price right off the bat. But this firm said, no, we need all the money. We can't lock in your price. You need to get all the money in here and then we'll let you get this great deal. Anyway, the guy sends his money in and then once this firm has the money, that great price on those U.S. Eagles, well, now it's no longer available. He can't buy those Eagles at a price that's anywhere close to what Shift Gold quoted him. So now the salesman is trying to convince him to buy these overpriced fractional coins where he's paying about $700 over the melt value of the gold. A complete total ripoff, yet this is what the salesman at this gold company is trying to get him to buy once the money came in. That's why it's a bait and switch. You catch the customer with a bait. You dangle the bait of this cheap U.S. gold eagles, and then when someone takes the bait and they send you the money, then you switch over and you try to sell them something completely different than what they sent you the money to buy. You gotta remember that a lot of these gold salesmen, they're not fiduciaries. They don't give a damn about you. They just wanna make the most money possible. So they're gonna push you to buy the most overpriced coins that they're selling. They're like used car salesmen and they're trying to get you to buy this car and they've rolled back the odometer and they're telling you that it was only driven every other Sunday by a grandmother or whatever and they know this thing is a wreck it's a big lemon they're just trying to push it off the lot to the first sucker they see these companies these gold companies one of the reasons they have to charge so much for the gold they sell is because they have massive overhead. They pay all these celebrities lots of money to sponsor these gold companies to say, here's the company I trust. This is where I buy my gold. And these celebrities get a lot of money. And the only way you can afford to pay them a lot of money is if you get it back from your customers by ripping them off. And these salesmen, if they sell you these US gold eagles or maple leaves or some legitimate coin and they mark it up as little as Shift Gold does, they're not gonna make any money. I mean, maybe the salesman will make $100 or $200 from the sale, but if they can talk you into buying this overpriced crap, instead of making $100, maybe he'll make $2,000. And that's a big difference. But the problem is the difference comes out of your money. It's money that you could have used to buy more gold for yourself Instead, it ends up going into the pocket of the guy who sold you the overpriced gold. And of course, he doesn't get it all because the company gets a big chunk of it too. These guys don't get 100% of the commission. Maybe they get a third of the commission or something like that, but they want to make as much money as possible. They're trying to feed their families. They're experiencing an increase in the cost of living. So when they get somebody that shows up at their store, 
to buy gold, they're not going to sell the customer the gold that's right for the customer. They're going to sell the gold that's right for the salesman. Now, they're not going to come out and say that. They're not going to be honest and say, hey, I'm going to rip you off. I'm going to sell you these coins because I make a lot more money. No, they come up with all sorts of other reasons. They're non-confiscatable. You don't have to worry about the government confiscating them. Oh, if you sell them, you're not going to have to report it to the IRS. All kinds of BS to try to get you to commit to these overpriced coins. But what happened with this individual is once they get your money, your money is there, then it's easy to manipulate you. But this guy wasn't being manipulated. He understood what was going on because he follows me and he knew enough not to buy that crap. So what he ended up doing is getting this company to send his money back so that he can then call up Shift Gold and do what he should have done initially and buy from us. Because we have got great prices. They may not be the absolute lowest, but they're pretty damn close. But what you're going to always get from Shift Gold is honesty and integrity. Nobody is going to bait and switch. Nobody is going to push you into these overpriced coins. No one's going to try to turn you into a coin collector as opposed to a gold or silver investor. And I know that because I make sure that. I make sure that we don't sell any of these products And I make sure that our markups are always fair. Even though I don't own the company anymore, I still have a marketing agreement with the company and I'm still able to make sure that all the principles upon which I originally founded Shift Gold are going to be honored. And if they don't honor them, then they can't call it Shift Gold. They can't use my likeness. They can't use my brand unless they live up to my standards. And basically, the guys that are running the company, the guys that work there, these are all the guys that were part of the original team when I founded Shift Gold, when I hired these guys. These are guys with integrity and they're honest. And that's why I tell people to buy through Shift Gold. So you're going to see a lot of these commercials, especially now with the price of gold going up, more people are buying. So they've got more money to throw around. Just forget about all that. It's so unfortunate that so many of these companies are overcharging and ripping people off. But you know, one of the reasons they do that is because the percentage of investors that actually buy gold is still tiny. So all these companies, they have to make a lot of money from just a few customers. As more and more Americans wake up to reality and start buying gold, well, then these companies won't be under as much pressure to rip off the few people who actually do buy gold because you'll have a much broader audience and then you'll have the economies of scale. But Shift Gold doesn't do that because we don't spend a nickel on advertising. We don't have any celebrities that endorse Shift Gold. It's just me. And so people buy from Shift Gold because they trust me. And so we don't have to spend any money on advertising. And so we don't have to pass on those costs to our customers. In fact, if you want to know all the tricks and find out all the ways these gold companies scam customers into overpaying for gold coins, you can download a special report that I wrote years ago. Just go to goldscams.com and you can download that special report for free. (music) 